Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So when I was uh, when I was a young teenager, maybe uh, 13, 14 years old, um, I played it safe. I ordered my life in such a way that I almost became invisible. Um, I didn't want to stand out. Uh, the only activities I participated in were the things that I did well, uh, but not so well that I stood out. I still wanted to blend in. Um, I avoided the areas of the school where I could be caught um, alone with older kids who would tease me or, or push me. Um, I tried to get in and out of the locker room as quickly as possible after gym class and basketball practice. Um, I sat in the corner during um, high school dances and tried very hard not to embarrass myself. Now, my teachers, uh, they tried to encourage me. They tried to get me to be in school plays or on the speech team. Um, my coaches tried to get me to be more aggressive on the basketball court or on the football field, but I was just in love with playing it safe. But you know, one day, um, some of that began to change. In 10th grade, I really began to have enough of playing it safe. And so I did something very out of character. Um, I tried out for the high school musical. I'd been encouraged for years to do that, and finally in 10th grade, I did. I also joined the speech team and decided to join uh, the most challenging category in speech to be a part of, extemporaneous speaking. And uh, even though many of my play it safe tendencies were still very much a part of who I was, um, I began to be willing to take some risks, right? To be willing to be made fun of or, or laughed at or even embarrassed. And I've never regretted those decisions. Without them, I would never be who I am today. Well, we're going to hear a story today from Jesus that cautions against playing it safe. Listen as I read from Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. Jesus said, For it is as if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had two talents made two more talents, but the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with the two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have made, been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then... The one who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, 
I knew you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. But his master replied, you wicked and lazy slave. You knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested the money with the bankers. And on my return, I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talents, take the talent from him and give it to the one with 10 talents. For to those who have, more will be given and they will have an abundance. But those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. So what can we learn from these words of Jesus? Well, as I said last week, remember the context of Jesus' teaching here. These are Jesus' last few days with his disciples. His death is imminently near, and one last time, he instructs them on how to deal with his death, right? His absence, his leaving them. And he tells this story about a master leaving his servants. Now Jesus is only days away from leaving his own disciples as he tells this story. Judas is, is lurking, right? He's ready to betray his Lord at any moment. And in such a moment, what did Jesus say to his disciples? Well, he will tell them and in turn tell us to live boldly, confidently, even when he isn't around visibly. And he tells them this story about taking risks and being, being bold with all that he's entrusted to them and to us too, right? What's the story? A man goes away for a while and, and before he does, he summons his servants and entrusts them with his money. And it's a lot of money. To one, he gives $2 million, to no, another, 800000 to a third, 400000 each according to their abilities, what he felt was right for each person. Use it wisely, he says, and then he goes away. Now, the first two put the money to use, and in fact, while their master was away, they doubled the money that had been entrusted to them. The third, though, was afraid to touch it. He buried it in the ground where it would be safe. When the master returned, he was pleased with the first two for their faithfulness. But the third one said to his master, I knew you were ruthless and shrewd and I'd probably lose the bundle if I touched it. So I just buried it in the ground. Here, take what's yours. But the master was angry and he sent his servant away from his home. Now to me, the central message of this parable can be summarized in just one sentence. God entrusts us with great things. God entrusts us with great things. And by emphasizing a different part of that sentence, we can actually learn three things from the parable. First of all, this parable declares that God has entrusted us with great things. Huh? Great things. In Jesus' parable, one was entrusted with five talents, another two, and another one. And, and I suspect that the person who received one talent was a little disappointed, but when you consider that a talent is worth 15 years of a laborer's wages, that's, that's like being given $400,000. And $400,000 is only a small amount of money when you compare it to $2 million, right? But God doesn't want us to look at what he's entrusted to others. 
He wants us to marvel at what he has entrusted to us. God has entrusted us with great things, right? We've each been given so many gifts in our lives to marvel at. And even though some might clearly seem to have been given more, or at least more enviable talents, right? Even the one who has been given the least has been given a treasure, has been given an abundance, right? Start a list of all the things God has given you. Once you start, it's hard to stop, right? How do you put a price tag on air, on water, on, on family and friends? What about the gift of God himself, right? The nerve we have when we have so many great things in front of us and yet we turn our necks to our neighbor's pile and we marvel at what they've been given, right? That's not fair. Why did he get more of this or that? Let us instead marvel at all the great things that God has entrusted to us, ourselves, our time, our possessions, our relationships, our everything. God entrusts us with great things, right? Second, this parable teaches us that God entrusts us with great things. Us. The one who received one talent was just certain that he would be a poor steward of what was entrusted to him, right? And so instead of putting to use what had been entrusted to him, he buried it in the backyard. He'll say later that his master is one who reaps where he doesn't sow. Perhaps he thinks his buried treasure will somehow grow uh, from the ground like a, a sprouted seed, right? But his master wants it to grow through use, not through an agricultural miracle, right? But what's probably happening is a lack of confidence. Who wouldn't be freaked out at the prospect of handling nearly half a million dollars of someone else's money? We too, when we realize that all that God has entrusted to us might be freaked out in handling what belongs to God. And so we bury our talents too, or, or we're reluctant to enter deeply into relationships with others. Right? We're just so sure that God could never do anything worthwhile or valuable through us. Right? So we better, we better stay out of the way. We better not take any risks. Right? We say, here I am, Lord, send that guy, someone else. Right? Send someone smarter, stronger, more faithful. We think, how could God possibly use me? I'm average. If that, right? Others have so much more. I, I, can't, I can't afford to give. I have too many flaws. My past is too scandalous. Or maybe my past is too boring. It's like I haven't done anything. There's nothing interesting about me at all, right? But God has entrusted you with your gifts, your talents, right? Your skills, your money, your possessions, your personality, your story, your time. Don't bury any of it. Put your life to use, your gifts to use, whatever they are, toward making the world a better place, toward making your families a better, um, a, a stronger unit, right? Toward spreading the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, of God's kingdom. God made only one you, right? And he's entrusted you with great things. And not only that, but God has entrusted us as a community, as a congregation, with great things. 
Sometimes we might think that not much good can come from a, a small town like Wadena or a, just a humble congregation like Emmanuel. Hogwash, right? Let's be bold and faithful and trust that God can use us together to be witnesses to the gospel and change lives, families, our community, our world. God has entrusted us with great things. And finally, this parable teaches us that God entrusts us with great things. God, right? When the one who'd been entrusted with that one talent was asked for an accounting of what he did, he quickly turns on the defensive. It's your fault, master. You are the one who is so demanding. And this is certainly his greatest miscalculation. A master who entrusts such great wealth to his servants, who rewards so generously for faith, could hardly be called harsh. But we often make the same miscalculation with God. Somehow we got this idea that God is ruthless and, and harsh and stern and punishing and vindictive. And yet God has been infinitely more generous with us than even, even the master in Jesus' parable, not the least of which God has given us his very son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross that we might live. We must look to the cross and see that the one who has entrusted us with such great things is abundantly merciful and gracious. In other words, we have to amend the pictures of God we carry around in our spiritual wallets, right? God is not cruel and ruthless, but neither is he aloof and distant. God is at work in his world, deeply concerned about justice and hunger and, and homelessness and despair, indifference and, and everything else. This God of ours is abundantly generous and his, generos his generosity encourages us to be bold and generous with all that has been entrusted to us. And so he puts us to work in his world, a world that's not even close to finished. Neither is God finished with Emmanuel Lutheran Church or with you or with me. God has a future plan that is so much more than merely playing it safe. Now, I don't, I don't mean to say we shouldn't be playing it safe when it comes to this global pandemic. We should definitely be doing that. In fact, the reason I'm preaching here in my shop is uh, that I'm on a little bit of time of quarantine until we can figure out what's going on with some exposures in my life. We should definitely be playing it safe when it comes to a global pandemic, but we should be taking risks when it comes to ministry. Like all the effort we're putting into digital worship right now, you know, we decided we're not going to have in-person Thanksgiving and Christmas Eve services this year. And that's a huge risk. Those are huge services for us. Opportunities for us to share the good news of Jesus Christ with hundreds of people. And the celebration of Christmas is, of course, a central festival in our faith. Moving those services, Thanksgiving Eve and Christmas Eve, to, uh, to virtual, like the radio and Facebook and House Church and YouTube, that's risky for us. We, we could be scoffed at by the community. We might alienate ourselves from, from our members and, and our friends and visitors too. But I believe that God is calling us to these ventures. Not just out of an abundance of caution when it comes to COVID-19, but to build an exciting ministry where Christ is shared in new and exciting ways. 
You see, God is calling us to bring a word of truth, of hope, of love to our friends and neighbors. He wants you to take a risk in how you use your time and your money and your talents to invite, to share, to be bold. Might we look a little foolish as a congregation in those efforts? Might you as a person of faith look foolish in that work too? Maybe. But I don't suspect Jesus looked all that awesome while hanging on the cross either. But God will take our willingness to fail for the sake of the gospel and use it to change the world. People of God, let us learn today the lesson of Jesus' parable. God entrusts us with great things. 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 We haven't all been entrusted with the same. We're all different. We all have different gifts. But that's, that's what makes it special. And all of us have been entrusted with great things. Let us be grateful for what's been entrusted to us. God has entrusted us with those things for a particular reason because he trusts us. He trusts you. Today, Christ is inviting you to examine your life, to examine your giving, to examine how much time you commit to your family, and how much time you give to serving God in, in your community, in your congregation, and, and challenge you to give more. Right? Have you been willing to look foolish, to, to stand up for those who are bullied and hungry and sick and dying? Be even more willing. Have you been one who invites or volunteers or, or works to infect the lives of those around you? You know, you can still do that when, when you're staying safe at home and engaging with us online or on the radio. You could still be bold and invite. Examine how, you, how you've been doing that and challenge yourself to do more starting today, right? Use the gifts that God has given you. God entrusts us with great things. And when he returns, how will he find us investing what he has entrusted to us? Powerful question from a powerful, loving, and generous God. Amen.